Good morning, good morning, good morning. Landscape Alaska on a sunny, sunny day. Boy, isn't it beautiful. Margaret and I are in the studio. We grinning. Us. We're we just grinning. Such a nice ride in here today. So pretty. So incredibly pretty. When it's beautiful, it's so beautiful. Okay, conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. This is a call-in show, 586-1800. Ask questions. Invite us over to your house for tea. Show us the fancy rose bushes you've got growing in your yard. All those kinds of things. We can talk about landscaping. We can talk about bugs. We can talk about lawns. Lots of bugs. Man, oh, man. The bugs are on parade. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And working, you know, yesterday... It seemed like that's well, kind of misty and rainy. There shouldn't be very many bugs. They were it wasn't out there. Blow, it wasn't blowing though. You know, you got to have the wind, not to have the bugs. Man, we had bugs galore yesterday. Well, we weed whacked, and you know, whenever you weed whack, the bugs come out. They're down there hiding. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> All they got to do is see you out there swinging that thing. They head up to you. Okay, Father's Day is this weekend. We're having a rhododendron Father's Day sale. We've got. Maybe 50 or 75 good-looking rhododendrons, some in absolute full bloom, some just barely cracking flowers. We've got the the big kind that grow to be seven or eight feet tall. We've got the medium size getting about six feet, and we've got the dwarf ones that get about two feet. Good morning, conversations. Talk louder, please. Okay, I hey, I got a neighbor that's got crane flies in their yard. Yeah, and the ravens, the ravens come and thatch the yard and get them. They should they do. do. <laughs> How do you get rid of them? No idea. Get the ravens. Yeah, that's the only thing I can see. Is there anything it's, you can put in there, like uh, bone meal or something, that would? Not kill that, them? not that we know of. This is the first time. I personally have seen it on the landscapes I manage, and the yeah. ravens are just going to town. I mean, I, I know they are. <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, the guy's yard actually looks better after they get done, and they <laughs> That's right. Well, and not only that, it's um, they're really thorough. I mean, I've taken truckloads of moss out of my jobs that they have actually torn up huge areas of moss. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I guess all you can say is they're doing us a favor. Taking care yeah, of those, they are. They are. <laughs> those nasty I'd things. Like it certainly is entertaining to watch, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you just have to figure you love ravens. What the heck? Okay, thanks for the call. <laughs> okay, thank Props. you. Bye-bye. Okay. And back to the rhododendron sale and the dwarf forms. we got dwarf forms, too. Four or five kinds of dwarf forms. Some of them absolutely stunningly beautiful. You need to hold a couple of those gallon cans for me so I can fix a planting from last year. Uh-huh. We have somebody, big ones. We have, and we have some really... Somebody plowed one through with the snow plow. Oh, yeah. So, These things happen, don't they? <laughs> yes. Okay. And also, look around at your rhododendrons. And if the, the uh, rhododendron root weevil has begun attacking them and make notches around the edges of the leaves... That's your clue. Notches around the edges of the leaves. That look kind of like half moons because they're real round. They're real round. Some of them look kind of like fingernail pieces. Well, or, or like everybody, ticket punches. Has, everybody has their images. That's I'd rather right. think of a half a moon than somebody's <laughs> fingernails. So. <laughs> I know what you mean. Anyway, what that indicates is the, the adults are feeding on the leaves, but that really means that the juvenile form is down there in the ground feeding on the roots. The larvae. That's right. And so that's what the real damage is. And the nematodes go for them. And the nemat- we have nematodes that target that particular larvae. 
and you only need a little bit of it to get your colony going. We have them available right now. This is the time of year to apply them. And people have been flooding in to buy them over the last two weeks. And I'm so glad because we want to keep that pest under control. We want to make sure that that thing doesn't really, really explode in our society. So if you have them in your yard, come get some nematodes. They're not very expensive and go target that that pest. Okay. So it's Father's Day. It is. And I got a Father's Day present. You got a great Father's Day present. From Margaret got me a Father's Day present. One size fits all. That's right. At Tyler Rendell. That's right. And it is a still battery-powered chainsaw. Two years ago, I got a little one, the kind that you can just hold in your fingers and and, uh, prune little branches off. Takes about a two-inch branch. This is a much bigger and more powerful one. That's right. And really delightful and no. lightweight plastic you know it's it's it was easy to use and easy to go all day with it and uh, it uses the same battery as the battery powered blower does which is great for me all that battery powered uh, hand tools that Tyler carries have revolutionized our ability to do multitasks. They really have. You know? and, and you 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 put them in boxes and have them like fishing tackle in their protected box and carry them around and uh, because doing landscape maintenance, you think, well, I'm going to go take care of the lawn, but then the the, the cottonwood tree branches go down so low you can't see out the driveway, so you got to go get your little saw or pruner or whatever it's going to be to uh, limb it up so you can see. zippity doo And, 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 and you know, safety always. And um, it's so groovy. And you know, I mean, <laughs> Tyler just br- has just opened our world up with all those tools. I just love them. And any job I go on and have those little battery-powered tools, the, the client looks at them and goes, I, I want, want that. <laughs> Where did right. you get that? That's so cool. That's right. The little tiny chainsaw was so cool. But this powerful chainsaw just delights me no end. You know, I had no trouble cutting through six or eight-inch branches with it. Right. Good. Perfect. Okay. And so... so Tyler Rental. Tyler Rental. They're only open till noon today, but not only that. Father's Day. They will come and bring it out to your car if you call them up. Say, I don't really want to come in the store. Just bring me one out to the car. That's perfect. I had a, such a good time. Okay, so we also want to. And mention, they have all that safety gear. And right. you have to have safety gear. You have to have safety gear, no matter what. Right. When you're using a chainsaw, you definitely want face protection. Any kind of power equipment, you need safety gear. Right. So among the things that we have that we were showing off this week, you have designed this this hedge of Japanese maple yes. to go behind somebody's classic English-style greenhouse. So you'll yep. be able to look through the glass and see the sheared Japanese maple hedge in three colors. Uh, three colors, yep. You have the pink at one end and the gold lime in the middle and the dark red at the far side. And they will all change different shades in the fall. So it'll be like a tapestry. And uh, what's really great about these young Japanese maples, even people look at them and say, well, they're so little. I mean, they're six or seven feet tall, but they're not fully branched out, you know. They're just a couple of years old. But that means they're easy to plant. 
You know, they only weigh they only weigh about ten pounds instead of uh, something that weighs seven hundred pounds, like the other Japanese maple we planted this week, which yep. takes four people to be able to even get it out of the pot and into the ground. So, um, it, it gives you versatility, and if you're willing to spend time, you know, going to the nursery, you're buying time. That's right. So when you buy something young for 79 or 89 dollars instead of spending 800 dollars on something that's 30 years old then um it's easier to plant (laughs) and it fits into a smaller space and this is going into a small space but at the same time something pretty and it's going to be on the shady side of the greenhouse so it's not going to interfere with light or anything like that but there'll be there will be leaf play shadow play against the glass walls of the greenhouse it's going to be charming whether you're inside or outside and and there's about eight plants going into this space so they're only at gallon or two gallon can size so they're going to be fairly easy to plant i think they're two gallons Right. Two, two, short two gallons. Our friend's a Japanese maple hybridizer. And so we can buy in his production cycle. And these trees, you know, if you've, if you've been to Landscape Alaska in this, this springtime, you've seen them. They came. They didn't have any leaves on them at all. They just look like sticks. But now they're foliated well, out. And they're so pretty. And, and uh, they're adolescent. Not, not all Japanese maples are the same. If you're interested in Japanese maples, you should go online and look at varieties. And you really want the ones that are, depending on where your house is, a zone four or a zone five at the most. My Japanese maples, which are really big and older, zone fives. But uh, I saw a Japanese maple when I was looking and uh, inspecting the varieties that we got sent called Red Baron. And man, oh man, that color red in the fall is like electric red. And so I want to see if we can get more of those because that's a color red nobody has in this town. Not yet. But if we can turn that light bulb on, it'll be really beautiful. The fall colors, I mean, the summer colors are beautiful. But the fall color is tremendous. Absolutely spectacular. Well, we have a few of them. We have, we have two now. I've sold the other two of those small red barren ones. But there, remember the no, Nurasaki? No, we don't have any more. I, have, I only took the only one that was there. Oh. there. There are other red maples, but they're not red barren. Okay. They have a little bit bigger leaf than the, the finer palmatums. Anyway, you get online and look at them, and you'll find some that you, you know, like we love the moonrise Korean maple, and there are many kinds of maples. I like vine maple. This is also mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. And the ones we planted at the governor's house was called Nurasagi. Mm-hmm. And boy, that's a pretty one in the autumn, too. Yep. When the sun comes shining through the leaves, it's like you're looking at a stained glass window. Anyway. So pretty. David and I are kind of fanatics, as anybody listening to our program knows, you know, I mean, we we live our life around plants that we enjoy that's what drives our life and uh, we want to share it with other people so if you're interested want to talk about japanese maples or get online and find some find out some names you like and want to talk about it we can give you more information the university of british columbia botanical garden has an online forum and they're one of the largest in the world. Well, they're some of the most advanced on the West Coast. That's right. And, and they have a section about Japanese maples, a discussion group about Japanese maples. And you're right. There are people who are absolutely 
fanatical about a particular variety, a particular name variety of Japanese maple, and they'll show the photos of them like they're showing photos of their dog or their baby. You know, it's like, <laughs> look at this. Look at the shape of that leaf. Look at the curve of that branch. Look at the sinuous twist to well, that trunk. Everybody's got to love something. I'm with you. I'm there, too. For it, me, it's beach trees. I, I get that way about beach trees. This is a call-in show. Oh, yeah. If Five, you want to call what, in and talk about what you're crazy about, please do. 586-1800. I was looking around this last week, looking at stuff that was going to attract my fancy, and the gooseberries and the currants have just boomed into foliage, and they are looking so lovely right mm, now. Yeah, I love them. They're uh-huh. great. So if you want to... Juno is a great place to have fruiting shrubbery. You know, fruit trees are attractive and nice, but they're... They're kind of an, an attraction to other creatures where they can do some real serious damage to them. Well, that's true of everything. Hello. But the shrubs, you know, even well, if they it, respond, they recover sooner. They recover real quickly. That's yeah. right. So, um, and the taste, the taste of fresh gooseberries picked right off the bush. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So delicious. Hinomakis. That's what we have, right? We have four kinds, yes. Uh-huh. And we have also... Well, I'm too busy working out in the landscape to be able to stay in the comfort of the nursery and eat our trade, but I'm so glad you're happy with Oh, it. I'm so happy. That's right. I'm so happy. And, and, you know, those young people that work for us, they're very happy, too. I'm so glad you're <laughs> all so happy. <laughs> and you said, the site of Landscape Alaska is such a beautiful place. Even if you're not going to uh, come and shop, come and walk around and look at it because it's it like is, a little miniature garden. It's so pretty right now. And right now, it's just stunning. Yeah. So, one of the things that Margaret does is to design landscapes starting with the idea of how to maintain them. If you design a landscape for a site, starting with how much maintenance that people want to do, then you're going to end up with one that's going to take less and less work as time goes by. That's the plan. That's always the plan. And one of the chief tools that she uses there is things that grow like they grow at Eagle Crest. Small kind of shrubbery that gets to be no more than than hip high and that you can keep pruned. It has many, many stems. And spreading. As spreading, has lots of little leaves that overlap each other. Because part of the idea of low maintenance is dealing with the weeds here. The weeds are five feet tall. (laughs) So if you can block the light off by spreading foliage over the ground, you have fewer weeds. Particularly if it's buttercups or horsetails. Yeah, you have fewer. You Mm -hmm. you cut the light off and they don't thrive. So um, by having an undulation in texture and color and style, you know, so you have evergreens, you have deciduous things that turn color in the fall, all those things. Good morning, conversations. Good morning, David, Margaret. I'm going to... um, put a barrier below a tree that got limbed up and I just want to uh, landscape it and I, I bought some um, landscape fabric and I'm going to um, mulch it, put some bark underneath it and then just um, put some frivolities out there like a gnome garden or something. Um, tell me um, the proper way to put down the, uh, the barrier. I'll take it on the air. Thank you. Okay. 
Well, um, it really depends on what your substrate is. I don't have any idea what the ground is like that you're putting the barrier over, as long as it's something that isn't like hard-packed D1, which is can be difficult. Uh, we use washers with great big nails that we, those little bobby pin-like wire attachments, they say put landscape fabric down is for another place. Juno is way too rocky and glaciated for most sites. So we use a washer with a, a big spike that's like a nail. like a, Margaret says a big spike. They're eight-inch nails. You buy eight, them at the... Eight to ten. Yeah. It you buy them at, at Valley Lumber in their bin and use a, a washer that is the size of a half dollar. Right. And you put the nail down through that, and that way you can hammer it down into the ground, and it'll stay in place. And... Um, you want to make sure that I don't know exactly what there are several types of landscape fabric uh, you don't want to leave any frayed edges so you always want to fold it under so you have a seam rather than a ragged edge if that makes any sense uh, so that when you do secure it you you secure both sides of the fold to make a seam rather than a hairy edge that's going to continue to fray so much like you're doing fabric, you know, right. like you're doing a fabric to make clothes. Now, felted fabric is a little less... Shreddy. Yeah, a little less shreddy. Uh, and so it depends, and, and there's the... We, for having a, any type of walking surface or anything, we use the woven uh, polypropylene, is that what it is? Uh, ground cloth. Ground, uh, some kind of ground cloth that you can walk on. Uh, and not the felted type. So depending on, this is a really broad question. So depending on what kind you're going to use, you still attach it in the same technique. Right. And if, uh, imagine that underneath your tree, the ground is probably fairly uneven. So the felted type, which is softer, will conform to those different elevations and changes easier than the stiffer, shiny one that's the woven fabric. But it just depends on how it's really going to be used and what the location, location, location is. And no matter what, sooner or later, the bark is going to begin to degrade and it'll get seedlings in it. So you're going to have to, you know, every couple of years, clean it off, put some fresh bark on it, get it so that it's all, all prepped again so that you don't have weeds growing up around your little statues. Good question. Thank you. We don't think about that very often. There are a lot of things you do in the landscape that are not planted. You know, the walkways, the pathways, water features, bridges, stepping stones, all those little things. But just because you put landscape fabric down doesn't mean the plants underneath it aren't still there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so you have to make sure that it's a tight cover and don't leave any gaps where they can come up through it because they will, especially dandelions. So we're going to have dinner with Randy Hulse today, and uh, Randy's going to come and we're going to talk about some other building projects. I have some projects for Randy. Well, of course you do. You always do. <laughs> Nobody has been as, as uh, successful in having everything turn out perfectly as Randy. The planters, the display tables he made for the nursery. The greenhouses. Are just charming. Everything. And uh, I, I see people every week who say, thank you for introducing me to Randy Hulse. He's been great. He's come to my home. He's remodeled my bathroom. He's 
whatever it is, put an addition on, build me decks, change my doorways, all put that stuff. Put in a fence, everything. Uh-huh. He's, and he's a, a nice man to work with. Makes beautiful furniture. Right. So if you're looking for a, a competent and, uh, and successful and pleasant to work with contractor, you can't do better than Randy at H&H Construction. So we have also... Do you have Randy's phone number? uh, 321-1269. There you go. I do. So we have uh, met these people, Canadians who are propagators, who grow baby shrubs. Kind of in the the long-scale nursery production line, they're the beginning part. So they grow spireas and roses and rhododendrons and all kinds of stuff. But they're the starters. And ground one of, cover. Uh-huh, and one of the oh, and the that's right, and the ground cover. We bought from them the, our native dogwood in these flats, where you get the little starts are charming, and they're affordable. You can afford to use it as a ground cover this way, rather than pay twenty bucks for a gallon can. You can pay you know eight dollars for a, what's essentially the size of a pansy in a four-inch pot, but it's deeper than that with a well-developed root system. But why I was starting to talk about it was they also, that's how new stuff gets introduced into the market. You go at that end, and new things that are coming out of the, mostly the European plant breeders, are, are then available. We can get things like that. And one of the things we have right now are dwarf hydrangeas. Dwarf hydrangeas that get to be 10 to 15 inches tall and spread out and have flowers that stand upright like candles on top of them. Are they named varieties? They're named varieties. There's uh, Baby Lace and Bobo. Bobo's a big one. A big, I mean, uh, not a big plant, but it's a very, people really like it. Yep. Popular. It's Uh, a very popular plant. And also. What a name, Bobo. I know. And, (laughs) and And these guys were originally blueberry growers, so they're always supplying different kinds of berry plants. And we have blueberries in those little tiny formats, too. So if you're thinking about putting in patches of blueberries... We're out of lingonberry? Lingonberry's gone for now, but I'm buying more right now. Okay. You bet. And the the blueberry that they're supplying are the ones that are blooming right now. So they're going to ripen a month after our native blueberry. And the flowers... The flowers are charming. Absolutely charming. They look just huge. You see the bumblebees on them, and the bumblebees are kind of sinking in. You know, like they vanish inside those flowers. <laughs> well, the bumblebees are pretty big. That's flowers right. are pretty small in comparison usually, but I understand what you're saying. So I have a question. Um, you know, I love those miniature roses. They don't have miniature roses that come on their own rootstock, right? Of course they do. Yes, now, I, this particular guy doesn't grow them, but I can get you miniature roses that grow on their own rootstock. I'd like to have miniature roses. Miniature roses, roses are generally pretty hardy, too. I, uh-huh. And how about in a hanging basket, miniature roses? I bet roses you could put them in a hanging basket. With some hydrangeas. That's a great idea. Okay, well, I'll get you some. Okay, good. Nothing easier than that. The, the new crop of grass seed just arrived, and this is a lawn mix that we get that's made out of Alaskan native grasses. It's a native bluegrass that was originally found on the North Slope. It's a native fescue that comes from Palmer. And to that, they add uh, modern hybrid perennial ryegrasses. And we put in a 10% mixture of 
annual ryegrass so you can see right away where the grass is spread. And we put a, a whole lot of it this last 10-day period, but the new crop just arrived. And if you're looking for a grass seed mix that will actually thrive here, get thicker and thicker, never get the fungus diseases, never die out because of winter kill, these grass seed mixes are where it's at. And I have them packaged up in five pound bags and they go five pounds to a thousand square feet. So you can just easily figure out how big your yard is and, and buy that much grass seed. I'll be glad to weigh out smaller amounts for if you want, but you know, five pounds to a thousand square feet is just about right for most bases. Great. Okay, good for us. Yeah, so you, you got that from Anchorage, right? I buy it from Alaska Mill and Feed. Feed, right. Uh-huh. And they, they buy, of course, from the grass seed growers, growers. that are out there right, in, right. in uh, yep. Delta Junction. Yep. Okay, so low maintenance design, uh, rhododendrons on sale this weekend, uh, little miniature plants. What else do we want to talk about? Oh, and grass seed. And, uh, and we on. have heart, uh, the last of the hardy chives and rosemary and... A onions. Onions, that's right. I think there's some Swiss chard, too. So as we go away, we think about Father's Day. We want to think about times you spent with your father in the garden. My father would take my brother and I to the nursery when we were so young, you know, and, and introduce us. And he went to the nurseries all the time. He was a fruit tree collector. So no matter what it was, if you could grow it in Central California, he had them in his yard. And he was always looking out for... What's new? What kind of peaches are coming out? What kind of new nectarines are available? And we'd go and he'd speak to the guy, the guy that had the nursery and ask permission. And he'd get his pocket knife out and take little ends off the branches. And they'd give him, you know, they're going to prune the trees back as they sell them. They'd cut a piece off and give it to him. He'd take them home and we'd, he'd show us how to graft them into the fruit trees in our yard. And I know, even though dad's been gone a long time, that those fruit trees are still there the yard I grew up in, and they've all got... And so they'd have different kinds of fruit grafted on the trees, so you'd have multi-choices. Multi-choices. Peaches with peaches, you know. You can't graft apples onto peach trees. Right, but, right, right. But the apple tree that was over our barbecue probably had 30 kinds of apples on it. Right. Now, my father worked really hard, and on uh, Saturdays always worked in the yard, which we had a pretty extensive yard, and... Uh, on Sundays after church would take my sister and I hiking in the woods. That was a, always a nice summer pastime with my dad. Oh, I bet he loved taking you girls out, too. He did. And yes, we'd hiking just, in the woods just with walk your children. Out. Well, in northwest Portland, you know, it's the city of parks, and so you just walk out your front door and walk off into the woods, and there we'd be, you know, and we'd do a three- or four-mile hike, and we were only five years and six years old, and we went every every Sunday afternoon. It was great. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Okay, folks, this is the end of our show for today. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Okay, and we're wishing you all happy gardening. Bye-bye.